Welcome to another installment of Fighting for the Faith. My name is Chris Roseborough. I am your servant in Jesus Christ. This is the channel that compares what people are saying in the name of God to the Word of God. So, so let me ask you this question. You know, how bold are your prayers? <laughs> you say, what? <laughs> Have you heard that, that God is offended by small prayers? And that you better, you better up your boldness game when it comes to, you know, praying. You know, because Choni the circle maker, he said, what, what are you talking about? If you, if, yeah, if you ever have heard of Honey the circle maker, even if you haven't heard of Honey the circle maker, go ahead and hit the subscribe button down below. Don't forget to like the video. We're going to talk about the bondage. I mean, and it's absolute bondage that, uh, that people are put into by those teachers out there who irresponsibly leave the Bible uh, and teach from the uh, the, le the book of legend, the, the Safir Haggadah, right? The uh, the book of lore, uh, which is not in the Bible. And and uh, you know, I think of Mark Batterson and others, you know, especially the book The Circle Maker. And they tell you, you had better be praying bold prayers. How bold are your prayers? Are you, are you demanding things from? No, you are not. <laughs> we're supposed to be asking God for stuff. So let's uh, whirl up the uh, the desktop here, and uh, we'll open up our uh, web browser. We're heading over to Free Chapel. Um, it'll cost you your soul, but uh, Free Chapel there, this is going to be Jensen Franklin. A little bit of a note, we've sped this up just a little bit, and, uh, and what we're doing here, the reason we're speeding it up is so we can get through the large swath of teaching that we need to go through. So, uh, you know, keep that in mind. Uh, so if you're thinking, why does it sound like Jensen Franklin is like, you know, on steroids and like rushing? It's because I sped it up, okay? So we sped it up so that we can cover the larger ground, but... Uh, the name of the message is the power of bold prayers. Power of bold prayers. Yet Jesus, he doesn't teach us to pray bold prayers. I'll explain that when we get there. But uh, let's let Jensen Franklin spin this out, shall we? Here we go. And I'm going to go to the book of Joshua, chapter 6. And I want to share something with you today that I believe is a word in season for every person who is listening to me. And it's not by accident. I want to show you something in the Word of God today and tell you a little story. All right, so Joshua's chapter 6 is in the Bible, but Joshua chapter 6 is not a story of prayer. What's he doing? So Joshua chapter 6 is the story of what? Uh, well, the fall of Jericho. In fact, let's, let's, let me do this. Let me go over to my Old Testament here. And we are going to head over to the book of Yeshua chapter 6. And, oh, I'm in the wrong space. Hang on a second here. Josh. There we go. I have to spell it right. Got to spell it right. Joshua, Joshua. I hit John. All right. So here's the account. And in the Types and Shadows, Joshua chapter 6 is an interesting passage. Uh, interesting for several reasons is, if you would, it is a picture of the last day, the day of judgment. You go, huh? Yeah, yeah. Work with me here for a second here. So the New Testament tells us that the Old Testament, there are types and shadows. The fulfillment is found in Christ. And one of the big stories of the Old Testament is the story of the Exodus. And the Exodus uh, begins with the people of God in slavery to a false god king who happens to wear a snake hat. 
yeah, you, you kind of work it out. He's like a stand-in for the devil. You say, ah, okay, now nice. I kind of see this. What does God do? By 10 powerful acts of judgment, he judges the false gods of Egypt, and he frees by a mighty hand his people, delivers them from slavery, takes them out to the Red Sea. They are baptized in the Red Sea, and they have a 40-year wilderness wandering as they're heading towards the Promised Land. Right, And then when they cross the Jordan, they are now in the promised land and, you know, and well, God is going to act in judgment against the people who are in the promised land and uh, Jericho being kind of the big picture, if you would. And God is the one who defeats the people of Jericho. And all of this is, if you would, I like to think of uh, Joshua chapter six in the fall of Jericho as a, um, as a dress rehearsal if you would, for the the day of judgment. In the types and shadows, it's a picture of the end of the earth. Uh, and, and so that's that's really the idea here. So let's take a look at this real quick. This has nothing to do with prayer, by the way. So Jericho was shut up inside and outside because of the people of Israel. No one went out. None came in. And Yahweh said to Joshua, See, I have given Jericho into your hand with its king, and mighty men of valor, you shall march around the city, all the men of, of war going around the city once, thus you shall do for six days. Six days, yeah, six days of creation. Yeah, so, yeah, and then the eighth day is the first day of the new creation. You kind of get the idea. There's there's callbacks to the uh, early parts of Genesis. Seven priests shall bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark. On the seventh day, you shall march around the city seven times, and the priests shall blow the trumpets. And when they make a long blast with the ram's horn, when you hear the sound of the trumpet, then all the people shall shout with a great shout. And the wall of the city will fall down flat, and the people shall go up, everyone straight before him. So Joshua, the son of Nun, called the priests and said to them, Take up the Ark of the Covenant, and let seven priests bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the Ark of Yahweh. And he said to uh, the people, Go forward, march around the city, and let the armed men pass on before the Ark of Yahweh. And just as Joshua had commanded the people, the seven priests bearing the seven trumpets of ram ho ram's horns, before Yahweh went forward, blowing the trumpets with the Ark of the Covenant of Yahweh following them. Note, this isn't a prayer. This is them obeying what God has told them to do. The armed men were walking before the priests who were blowing the trumpets, and the rear guard was walking after the Ark while the trumpets blew continually. But Joshua commanded the people, you shall not shout or make your voice heard. Neither shall any word go out of your mouth until the day I tell you to shout. Now, uh, in the New Testament here, uh, Scripture describes the day of Jesus's return uh, with the cry of the archangel, the trumpet of God, right? So you, you, the trumpets and the shouting then you'll note then have, uh, you know, callbacks into the future regarding the day of judgment. This is a type and shadow of the people of God going into the promised land for good, right? So he caused the ark of Yahweh to circle the city going about it once. And then they came into the camp and spent the, uh, the night in the camp. And then Joshua rose early in the morning, and the priests took up the Ark of Yahweh, and the seven priests bearing the seven trumpets of ram's horns before the Ark of Yahweh walked on, and they blew the trumpets continually. And the armed men were walking before them, and the rear guard was walking after the Ark of Yahweh while the trumpets blew continually. The second day they marched around the city once and returned into the camp, so they did 
for six days. And on the seventh day, they rose early at the dawn of the day, and they marched around the city in the same manner seven times. It was only on that day that they marched around the city seven times. And at the seventh time, when the priests had blown the trumpets, Joshua said to the people, Shout, for Yahweh has given you the city. And the city and all that is within it shall be devoted to destruction. Only Rahab the prostitute and all who are with her in her house shall live because she hid the messengers whom we sent. And so you'll note Rahab is the only one who lives. Rahab the prostitute? Right. And here's the best part. Uh, When you do your study, like read the book of Ruth, what do we learn about Rahab? Rahab, after the fall of Jericho, her and her family are saved. She marries the guy who's next in line in the, in the genealogy of Jesus. And so, yeah, I always like to kind of picture it this way. Uh, uh, Rahab the prostitute marries the Messiah. It's a picture, if you would. A picture of what? Christ's bride, the church. You and me, we, we're, we're the bride of Christ. And uh, we're sinful, just like Rahab. And what, is, and what are we collectively as the church? We are the bride of Christ. It's a beautiful type and shadow when you kind of think about it. But only those who listened and feared the word of the Lord hid the messengers. You know, like the apostles, the disciples of Jesus who bring the good news of Christ and him crucified for us. And yeah, those are, those are some of the themes here. But it's amazing. Anyway, we continue. So, but you, you keep yourselves from the things devoted to destruction, lest when you have devoted them, you take any of the devoted things and make the camp of Israel a thing for destruction and bring trouble on it. But all the silver, the gold, every vessel of bronze and iron are holy to Yahweh. They shall go into the treasury of Yahweh. So the people shouted and the trumpets were blown. And as soon as the people heard the sound of the trumpet, the people shouted a great shout and the wall fell down flat so that the people went in to the city, every man straight before him. And they captured the city and they devoted all in the city to destruction, both men and women, young and old, oxen and sheep and donkeys with the edge of the sword. But... To the two men who had spied out the land, Joshua said, go into the prostitute's house and bring out from there the woman and all who belong to her as you swore to her. And so if you remember, Rahab was instructed that she was to put a scarlet thread, a scarlet cord outside of her window. And she, and she did. And so uh, we, oftentimes when we talk about the types and shadows, what we do is we're following the scarlet red thread of Christ through the Old Testament. It's a beautiful picture. So the young men who had been spies went in and brought out Rahab, her father, her mother, brothers, all who belonged to her. And they brought all her relatives and put them outside the camp of Israel and they burned the city with fire and everything in it. Only the silver, the bronze, and the vessels of bronze and iron they put into the treasury of the house of Yahweh, but Rahab the prostitute, and her father's household, and all who belonged to her, Joshua, Yeshua, saved alive. (laughs) And there's the name of Jesus right there in Hebrew, Yeshua, saved alive. And she lived in Israel to this day because she hid the messengers whom Joshua sent to spy out Jericho. Good stuff in the types and shadows, but here's the thing, it has nothing whatsoever to do with prayer. So let's come back to Jensen Franklin, one of the notorious false teachers out there, and see what he does with this. From a book that I read, and I want... All right, I'm going to back this up just a smidge. ...person who is listening to me, and it's not by accident. I want to show you something in the Word of God today and tell you a little story that I picked up from a book that I read, and I want us to then put into practice what I'm going to teach here over the next few minutes. 
So we're going to put something into practice from a book that you read that isn't the Bible. In, in Joshua chapter 6, it's the story of Jericho. It's a massive city, the first city that Israel would encounter on yeah. the way into the promised land. Yeah. In verse 3, you shall march around the city, all your men of war. You shall go around the city once. This you shall do six days. And seven days shall bear seven trumpets, and seven priests shall bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark. But the seventh day you shall march around the city seven times, and the priests shall blow the trumpets. It will come to pass when they make a long blast with the ram's horns, and when you hear the sound of the trumpet, that all the people shall shout with a great shout. Then the wall of the city will fall down flat, and the people shall go up, every man straight before him. Mm -hmm. Okay. What a powerful story in the Old Testament. And... It has a great lesson for us today that I want to emphasize. All right. The name of the message is the power of bold prayers. That there was nothing, there was no prayers going on there in Joshua 6. Joshua 6 is not a text I go to when I teach people the basics of the Christian faith and teach them about prayer. I read this book and it touched me, the story, and it really draws a beautiful picture that I want to just get, get you to see for a moment, and we'll come back to the story. But it's a fact, and it's still taught in synagogues, Jewish synagogues to this day by rabbis, the story of a man who has become known as the circle maker. It was the first, um, the first century B.C. church. Now, a little bit of a note. Choni, the circle maker, from the Safir Ha Agadah, the, uh, the book of lore or the book of legends, he was a historical person indeed, but here's the issue. So if you were to uh, do a little bit of a search for Honey the Circle Maker, Honey, um, well, here's a little bit of what we know from Wikipedia, okay? Uh, was a Jewish scholar of the first century during the age of the Tanaim, the scholars from whose teachings the Mishnah were derived. So a little bit of a note here, Honey is... Is a Mishnaic, uh, you know, uh, um, the better, better way to put it, he's uh, part of the group known as the Pharisees. You, you get the idea here. Um, and so he's not in the Bible. And um, they they talk about the circle drawing incident there. I mean, there's a photo of Honi's tomb. Um, so a little bit of a note here, uh, some of the stories regarding Honi that are found in the Talmuds, Babylonian Talmud, the Jerusalem Talmud, these are books that come through the Pharisees. And Pharisees are heretics, all right? Um, and then there's a, <laughs> there's a story that uh, Honi slept for 70 years. It kind of sounds like, you know, Rumpelstiltskin or something like that. Uh, is that not Rumpelstiltskin? Um, who's the guy who slept forever? Oh, I, I you know that you know uh, it's not Rumpelstiltskin. What is it? I'll think about it. But uh, you know, from you know the the lore of the guys uh, here in the United States. Anyway, uh, the Babylonian Talmud st tells the following story, in which Honi slept for seventy years before awakening and dying. Uh, Rabbi Yohanan said, uh, this righteous man, Choni, was troubled throughout the whole of his life concerning the meaning of the verse, a song of ascent. When the Lord brought back those that returned to Zion, we were like dreamers. Psalm 126. One, Choni asked, is it possible for 70 years to be like a dream? How could anyone sleep for 70 years? And one day, Choni was journeying on the road and he saw a man planting a carob tree and asked, how long does it 
take for this tree to bear fruit? And the man replied, 70 years. Honey then further asked him, are you certain that you will live another 70 years? And the man replied, I have found already grown carob trees in the world as my forefathers planted those for me, so I too plant these for my children. Honey sat down to have a meal and sleep overcame him and he slept a rocky formation closed upon him, which hid him from sight, and he slept for 70 years. And when he awoke, he saw a man gathering the fruit of the carob tree. And Honi asked, Are you the man who planted the tree? And the man replied, I am his grandson. Thereupon Honi explained, It is clear that I have slept for 70 years. And then he caught sight of his donkey which had given birth to several generations of mules and he returned home and there he inquired is the son of Choni the circle drawer still alive and the people answered him his son is no more but his grandson is still living thereupon he said I am Choni the circle maker the circle drawer but no one would believe him um yeah uh we got <clears throat> so here here's the issue the stories about Honi, uh, that you find them in the Talmuds, the Babylonian in the Jerusalem Talmuds, and none of this is biblical. And although he was a historical person, for sure. I mean, I mean, we know where his tomb is to this day. Uh, it's in, near Hatzor, so north of Galilee. Uh, but uh, all of that being said, um, yeah, this isn't found in the Bible. This is... Uh, Talmudic stuff, which the Pharisees put together, and it's not found in Scripture. It's found in the Safir Ha'agada, the Book of Lore or the Book of Legends. So yeah, so we, we got a problem here. We that uh, we don't learn our our theology of prayer from Pharisaical sources. Uh, extra biblical sources. Uh, the scripture says it this way: Second Timothy chapter three. Paul, writing to young pastor Timothy in Ephesus, says this: "You, however, you followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecutions and sufferings that happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, at Lystra, which persecutions I endured. Yet from them all the Lord rescued me. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will." be persecuted. While evil people and imposters, they will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. Mm -hmm. Yeah, th these are the guys that make sure that we always have something to talk about on fighting for the faith. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings. Ah, the grammata, the writings, the Bible, right? You have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Now listen to these words. All scripture, not some, all scripture, grape, all scripture, it is breathed out by God and it is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be complete and equipped for every good work. So if I want to learn how to pray, and praying is a good work, absolutely is a good work, it's a vital part of being a Christian, where do I go to learn how to pray? The Sefer Ha-Agada? The Book of Legends? Mm -mm. The Bible. Only the Bible. Only the Scriptures.
And so we got a problem here. And that is, is that um, uh, our, our good friend, um, Jensen Franklin here, to teach us how to pray, he's going to the Talmudic, the Pharisaical book of legends, which is a mixing of history and lore and isn't in the scriptures. And the scriptures are able to make us wise to salvation and equip us for every good work. And then you'll note, uh, this is a passage I go to with regularity. So Paul says, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who's to judge the living and the dead and by his appearing in his kingdom. Preach the word, you know, the Bible. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming, and I'd say it's now here, when people will not endure sound teaching. Nope. But having itching ears, they will accumulate from themselves teachers to suit their own passions. And watch this. They will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into muthos, muthous, yeah, myths. Isn't the story of Choni, the circle drawer, a legend, a myth? Yeah, it is. As a Christian, as a pastor, I can only teach the word. Scripture is very clear. I am to preach and teach the word, the, the scriptures. So I will never go to the Talmuds, Babylonian or Jerusalem, or to the Mishnah or any halakhic source uh, for the purpose of teaching you, my, uh, people how to pray. To learn how to pray, we must go into the Bible. So we are, we, are, uh, we are far, far away from what we should be doing here. What he's doing here, what Jensen Franklin is doing here, it's a fulfillment of the prophecy that Paul gave in 2 Timothy 4. And, it, and that fulfillment of that prophecy, it, the person fulfilling it, it, that's not a good thing. That's a bad thing. Let me back this up just a little bit. Circle maker. It was the first, um, the first century... BC church and a devastating drought was taking place threatening to destroy an entire generation the generation before Jesus was born history records this is not a fairy tale this is a historical fact what I'm what I'm sharing with you because well uh, the story of Honey the circle drawer shows up in the book of legends book of lore and also included in it is the account of the uh, that Honey slept for 70 years this isn't history they have historians and papers and so on that, that they have found. The world in that region of the earth, Israel, was in the worst famine it had ever been in, and people were on the verge of dying the generation before Jesus was born. All the prophets, of course, had passed away. There's this dark ages, as it's called in history, between the Old Testament and the New Testament. There's no word from God. There's no voice from the prophets. There's no one there. The only one that was left was an old sage by the name of Honi. His name was Honi. And he lived outside the gates or the walls of Jerusalem, and he he had a relationship with God. He was known as a man of, of powerful prayer. And in desperation, the leaders of the nation went to this man, Honi. He's a figure in Jewish history that is celebrated to this day. And they asked him, would he please pray? Because they realized it was in such a dire situation now that their families were going to die if they didn't get water within a matter of days. And you don't really understand that unless you go to the Middle East, and particularly you go to Israel, and you understand it's a desert, wilderness land, and um, water, particularly then, not as much now because of um, amazing inventions, but water then was life. If you could not get water, and the only bit of water they had was the Sea of Galilee that water feeds into, 
And if there's no water and there's a famine, then people are going to die. And it was that critical. So they go to this old sage and he says, yes, I will pray to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob for rain. And this is a historical fact. He took his staff, it's about six feet long, and he put it in the sand and he began to turn like a... Yeah, by the way, I, while he's spinning all this out, it's Rip Van Winkle, not Rumpelstiltskin, Rip Van Winkle. You know, the story of Honey sleeping for 70 years is akin to Rip Van Winkle. I mean, preaching about Honey the Circle Maker, it might as well be preaching, you know, like the story about, you know, Pecos Bill or, uh, you know, Paul Bunyan and his Blue Ox Babe. These are all legends and lore. This is not the Bible. So note here, he's trying to make it sound like, oh, this is, this is as good as the Bible. It's historical. Jewish people believe this to this day. Even among Jewish scholars, they recognize that the Sefer HaAgadah is uh, the, the book of legends. It's that, legends. Man. Uh, math compass. He began to turn 30 degrees, 60 degrees, 90 degrees, 180 degrees, all the way around. A complete circle he made and drew in the sand with the tip of that staff he drew a circle he dropped to his knees and he threw up his hands and as the hundreds and thousands of people began to gather around and he's in the middle of that circle he says these words with his hands raised with great authority i swear before your great name that i will not move from this circle until you have shown mercy O god upon your children now notice that uh, honey here isn't asking god for anything honey's demanding and in one account, uh, some Jewish people talk about the, the, the necessary need to have excommunicated Choni for demanding anything from God. But are we supposed to be getting our understanding of what is a God-honoring, right understanding and practice of prayer? Are we to get this from the Book of Legends? From the Talmuds and the and the Mishnah? No. Spine of all of the people who were watching. Amazingly, history records that as that prayer left his lips instantly and immediately rang. So no, history records. Which history? I, again, the 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 account of Choni the Circle Maker. You find it in the Talmuds and the Mishnah, and in 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 the later in the 20th century published in the Sefer HaAgadah. The uh, the, the book of legends, the book of lore, you say this is history. And, and, and it, by saying it's history, does this, this is make it on par with the actual stories of the Bible, the historical accounts found in scripture? Uh-uh. Begin to descend, to descend on the earth. The audible grasp of thousands of people watching could be heard. Every head except Honey's was turned heaven, heavenward as rain was parachuting out of the sky and beginning to drop on the people. It was just a very moderate dropping of rain, but people were, had not seen it in so long that they began to celebrate and shout out loud. But suddenly the voice of Honey pierced through again, and he lifted his voice and prayed a second time. Not for such a rain have I prayed, but for rain that will fill every valley, every cistern, every cavern, O God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And suddenly, according to the witnesses and the documentation of that event, the sprinkle turned into a torrential downpour. No raindrop was smaller than the size of an egg. So great was the downpour of rain that the people began to run toward the Temple Mound to get to the highest place because they knew next would come flash floods. But once again, 
Honey lifted his voice, still in the circle that he had made, and he prayed one last time, not for such a rain have I prayed, but for the rain of your favor, blessing, and graciousness. And just like someone turned the faucet down from a 10 to a 4 or a 5, the rain evened off, and suddenly it was just a beautiful downpour that went for days. The earth soaked the water up, and a generation was saved because... And this is not found in the Bible. The job of a pastor is to preach the word, the sacred writings, scripture, Old and New Testament. This account's not found in there. Man drew a prayer circle. He became known as the circle maker. And he said, God, I'm not leaving this circle until you spare my family, you spare my nation, and you spare my generation. It's pretty powerful when you think about it. When you move into the arena of prayer, you need to understand that this story teaches us that bold prayers honor God and God honors bold prayers. We're getting theology from the book of legends, really? From the Talmud and, and uh, the, the Babylonian Jerusalem Talmuds? Are you kidding me? The people who put together the Babylonian Jerusalem Talmuds are the ones who crucified Jesus. Are we getting our theology from them? Really? Wow. God does not want us to pray weak prayers. God does not want us to pray get by prayers. God, does God doesn't want us to pray weak prayers or get by prayers. I would beg to differ. And I will quote none other than Jesus himself. All right. And here we are. Matthew chapter six. We're right in the middle of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. And here's what Jesus says. We'll put our context around this and let's see how Jesus teaches us to pray. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. Then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, so that they may be praised by others. Truly, I say to you, you've they, they have received their reward. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret, your father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and to pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they've received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room, shut the door, and pray to your father who is in secret your father who sees in secret he will reward you and when you pray do not heap up empty phrases as the gentiles do so they think they will be heard for their many words do not be like them for your father knows what you need before you ask him so when you pray pray like this our father in heaven hallowed be your name your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven and watch this Give us this day our daily bread. Now, didn't didn't um, didn't Jensen Franklin just say that God doesn't want you to pray just get by prayers? Hang on a second here. Let me let's, let's listen again. Glory teaches us that bold prayers honor God, and God honors bold prayers. God does not want us to pray weak prayers. God does not want us to pray get by prayers. Hmm. God doesn't want us to pray get by prayers. Jesus says, pray. Give us this day our daily bread. Hmm. Which means how often are you praying this prayer daily? 
So I'm praying for the for bread for today, you know, just to get by. And then tomorrow I'm going to have to pray the prayer again, pray for my daily bread for tomorrow. Huh. That's weird. Jesus' theology regarding prayer is completely different than Jensen Franklin's and the, uh, the so-called theology of Honi, the circle drawer from the Sefir Ha'agada, the book of legends, the book of lore. Huh. Give us this day our daily bread. Oh, and forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. Lead us not into temptation. Deliver us from the evil one. Now, let, let, me, let me do another. I'm going to do a little quick search here in the Proverbs. Yeah, the Proverbs are the ones that have actually gone from being amateur to being pro. <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> Hang on a second here. I need to do a quick search, and I'm going to search in the Proverbs. Here we go. And there is a prayer. Hmm. Let me see. Let's see here. Um, mm-hmm. All right. Let's see. Rich, oh, it's near the end. Hang on a second here. S-T-E-A-L. There we go. Here we go. Proverb chapter 30. Let me add a little context to this. And, and listen to, these, uh, to this prayer. Proverbs chapter 30, verse 7. Two things I ask of you. Deny them not to me before I die. So this is, this is a request, a prayer. Remove far from me falsehood and lying. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with the food that is needful for me. Lest I be full and deny you and say, Who is Yahweh? Or lest I be poor and steal and profane the name of my God. Huh. Proverbs chapter 30, verses 7 and 9 teach me to pray get by prayers. <laughs> to shoot for the squishy middle, to be neither poor nor rich. Hmm. That's weird because, you know, this Jensen Franklin fellow, his theology is different. And this is what happens when you get your theology and your practice from other sources than the Bible. Yeah, all scripture is God breathed. They unnoosed us, profitable for teaching, correcting, rebuking, training, all that stuff, right? So that the word of may, of God, the word of uh, the man of God may be complete and equipped for every good work. So you'll note Jensen Franklin here, he's uh, he's getting his theology of prayer from the Pharisees. Is it any wonder that uh, his claims regarding prayer the exact opposite of what Jesus said. When you move into the arena of prayer, you need to understand that this story teaches us that bold prayers honor God, and God honors bold prayers. God does not want us to pray weak prayers. God does not want us to pray get-by prayers. God does not want us to ask for things that we think are not that big of a deal. But you know, like daily bread. God likes it when you ask Red Seas to part. God likes it when you ask for axe heads to swim on top of the Jordan River. <laughs> when we ask for Red Seas to part and for axe heads to swim. Totally misappropriating those texts. This is unbelievable. This is not what the Bible teaches regarding prayer at all. And, and here's how it puts people in bondage. So there you are, you're thinking... 
well, you know, I don't want to offend God and pray for things like daily bread and stuff. You know, I, I better pray for, I better make bold and audacious proclamations and decree and declare and all this kind of stuff. No, Jesus teaches us to pray daily for daily bread, for the forgiveness of our sins, that we forgive those who trespass against us. Let God's kingdom come, that his name be hallowed. That's what Jesus taught us to pray. And you'll note that the question I'm going to ask you just straight up, who do you believe? Do you believe Jensen Franklin or do you believe Jesus when it comes to what is the kind of prayer that honors God? Because what Jensen Franklin's saying is the exact opposite. And he'll go on to talk about how how the uh, you know the Joshua account in Joshua 6 of the fall of Jericho, that that was the children of Israel doing a circle prayer around Jericho. Absolute blasphemous nonsense. So what does Scripture teach us to do? Humbly ask God for everything we need, the small and the great, from our daily bread to the salvation of our neighbors and our children. Uh, you know, you, 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 and God teaches us to pray, Scripture teaches us to pray for the patience to bear up under suffering and persecution and to trust God, pray that God would sustain our faith through trial and tribulation, sickness, health, things like this. Mm -hmm. And all of this done humbly. The exact opposite of Honey, the man who demanded things from God. Isn't any wonder why, you know, that uh, guys like Jensen Franklin and others, they can't, they, they can't teach you what's taught in the Bible about real prayer and how God does want you to pray. Just get by prayers, you know, like pray for bread for today and then tomorrow pray for more, right? Yeah, because it goes against their theology of self-glory. And their theology of self-glory is you demand, you decree, you declare, you command, you have the authority. Nonsense. God has all of the authority. And he knows what we need before we ask, Jesus says. So ask. Ask him for the great. Ask him for the small. Ask him for the mundane. Ask him for the get by. He knows, he knows what you need even before you raise your voice and he desires and wills to hear you ask him for these things so that you may humbly recognize that all good things come from the Lord, not from you, not from your decreeing, not from your declaring, not from your demanding, but from your gracious, loving, kind, heavenly father who knows your needs even before you speak them to him. So hopefully you found this helpful. If so, all the information on how you can share the video is down below in the description. And until next time, may God richly bless you in the grace and mercy won by Jesus Christ and his vicarious death on the cross. For all of your sins, amen. <laughs>